Well, good morning and welcome to Renewal Church. Thank you for being here today. My name is Jared Kirk. I'm the pastor at Renewal. And we just officially made it through the end of school vacation week. Now, a lot of you don't have little kiddos, but for me and my wife, this is the most exhausting week of the entire year. Uh, But some of you are teachers and got some rest, and that's a good thing. Also, I need to give a a quick shout out because um, Friday was my wife Heather's birthday. And I would like us to just thank her for what she does for our church. Um, She was actually the one singing right here today. And uh, she's the first lady of our church, and we are a team. Everything we do, we do together, and everything that um, our family has sacrificed, a lot of that has fallen on Heather's shoulders to move here seven years ago and start a church that would make Jesus famous, people whole, in the city of Boston new. So I'm thankful for her. Before we dig into the the message, one other thing, go ahead and take out your connection card. You're going to need this today, so pull it out. We recently launched five new community groups at Renewal Church, and we're just stoked about that. Just believe that circles are better than rows, that when you move out of these rows into circles, God starts to move and change your life. Just believe that um, relational connection is necessary for spiritual growth and that life is better connected. Now, my community group is a couples group, speaking of myself and my wife, Heather, and we started and we've had four couples sign up, but our ideal goal is five or six. So we need one or two more couples to join our group. And if you'd like just some information about that, you can just write on the back of your connection card, just write couples group. And then I'll send you an email. It's on Thursday nights and I'll send you some emails, some details about that. If you're not a couple and you would like to get some information on some of the other open groups that just started, check the box that says, send me info about community groups on the back of your connection card. And we'll send you the link. You can search through the open groups and find one that works for you and your schedule. We have men's groups, women's groups, and couples groups. And I hope that you'll take advantage of that. All right, let's talk about, we're in our series, Demystify, we're talking about spiritual gifts, and here's how I want to start off today. How many of you are personality test people? You love personality tests. Get, be proud about it, all right? How many of you believe personalities cannot be captured in a test, and you're just a grumpy person? Andy, okay, good, <laughs> grumpy. We love personality tests, and I think the reason we love this so much as a society is we love thinking about how we're uniquely put together as people, and also it helps us to make a bigger impact on the world. That's a lot of the reason that we do these at our jobs, in our workplaces, and on teams, is so we can make the biggest impact possible. Some people, you know who you are, get really deep into it. Every one of us has at least one friend who's like, I'm an INFP, Otter Hufflepuff, who's a six on the Enneagram. It's like, dude, you're in too deep. But some of you are that friend. You are that person. Um, I think Dusty this morning, our worship leader, told me that he was Ravenclaw. And my wife said, she looked at me and she said, you're definitely Slytherin. And I don't know what that means. I just so deeply offended. So here's the thing. I think we love this stuff because, you know, there's something true in it, which is that God has made each one of us individually unique, and we have a maximum unique contribution that we can make to the world and to the church and to our community that we live in. Our people, we have a contribution to make. But it's one thing to know how we're wired to make a contribution in this world. It's a whole other thing to take that knowledge and convert it into action so that you're making your maximum contribution on any given day. Day. And the thing that I think kills our ability to make a contribution more than anything else is very, very simple. It's not a lack of knowledge about ourselves and our wiring and our personality. After all, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we're the ones feeding all that information into the personality tests. And we tell it all about ourselves, and then it gives us a report, and we go, That's so me. Isn't that crazy? It knows all this stuff about me. It's like, Yeah, you just put that in there. Um, it's not our lack of knowledge. 
that means that, that, that keeps us from making our ma- maximum contribution, I think it's that most often we are focused on the kingdom of me. The kingdom of me is when I'm living for my reputation, and we do that at work, and we want our name to be great. We want to make sure we get credit. Kingdom of me is about my needs being met. The kingdom of me is about people serving me and thinking well of me. The kingdom of me is about my comfort and my making sure that my Instagram feed looks like I'm just living my best life. And so that shapes what vacations I, I take. It shapes what people I hang out with. It shapes everything. That's the kingdom of me. Most Christians don't mean to live for the kingdom of me, but it is the default position of all human beings. And so maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, but you recognize that there's some truth in this, that like, you know, most of the time, most people are living for the kingdom of me. Maybe there's something bigger to live for than that. And actually, when you think about personality tests, maybe the real reason we love personality tests so much is it feeds the kingdom of me. It is very self-centered. It's even sometimes a little bit narcissistic, personality tests are always about our favorite person, me. But here's the thing. To the degree that your life becomes less about the kingdom of me and more about the kingdom of God, that is the degree to which you will make a contribution, a lasting contribution, an eternal contribution in your life and in this world. When your life is less about what I get out of it and more about what I put into it, when your life is less about what I consume and more about what I contribute, when your life is less about me and more about the kingdom of God, to that degree, that is the degree to which you will make a positive, eternal contribution to your family, to your friends, to your church, to the city of Boston. Eternal impact. And conversely, if you continue to live a life that is me-focused, you will lack purpose in your life. Because if you live for you, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you've kind of figured this out yet or not, but you are too small of a purpose for you to live for. You got to live for something bigger than you. If you live, if your life is focused on me, you'll lack purpose. You will miss out on rich relationships as you increasingly become self-centered. You will waste your talents and abilities. So God is committed to helping you escape from the kingdom of me and start to live for the kingdom of God by serving others. God loves serving. God himself served. God loves when you serve. Jesus once said this. If you have your teaching notes, pull those out because this is on the front page of your teaching notes. It says this, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, hey, listen, if anybody Decide, you know, if anybody deserves to be served, surely it's the second member of the Trinity, but I didn't come here to be served. I came here to get my hands dirty. So God is committed to service. And 2,000 years before any personality test was invented, before there was Myers-Briggs or the Strength Finder or the Disc Profile or the Enneagram, God set up a system where he would give every person a special ability or a gift that, so that they could do two things. They could Build other people up and fulfill their purpose of glorifying God. That's spiritual gifts. Here's the definition of spiritual gifts. It'll be on the screen for you. A spiritual gift is an ability God gives you that helps people and glorifies God. So spiritual gifts, they're not primarily about what you receive. They're primarily about how you can help other people. So they build other people up, and they glorify God. And we don't use the word glorify day to day. We don't use that word a lot. But it essentially means this. Am I living to make God's name famous or my name famous, right? Is, am I living for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of me? The more I serve, the more I use my spiritual gifts, the less people think, wow, he is amazing, and the more people think, wow, God is amazing. That's the purpose of spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts 
are something that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, we're in this series called Demystify, and we're unpacking how the Holy Spirit makes a practical, tangible difference in your life on Sunday morning and Monday morning and Tuesday morning. And one of the ways that the Spirit changes your life and impacts your life on a day-to-day basis is that He gives you the gifts you need to make an eternal difference in the lives of your family and your friends, your closest neighbors. When you turn from your sin to follow Jesus, God gives you the Holy Spirit as a gift, and the Spirit is God's personal presence with you. So it's not like you see a sign of God's existence out there somewhere. It's like he is right there in you, in the room with you. And it's the Holy Spirit who is in charge of spiritual gifts. So it kind of makes logical sense, doesn't it? Because God is in you, God will work through you. God wants to work through you. And if you've ever encountered that situation in your relationships with people at work or in your family, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors, and thought, man, I wish God would show up and encourage this person. Man, I wish God would give this person hope. I wish God would show this person some truth. I wish God would show this person some grace. So often, God intends for us to be the people who bring that into their life because God's personal presence, his spirit is with us, and God wants to do that through you. God does this work through spiritual gifts, and that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time today. But before we get into our teaching on spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians, first, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding around spiritual gifts, and a lot of pastors will give you their opinion, but I want to stick as close to the scriptures as I can today. So before we get into 1 Corinthians and we talk about how to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in your life, first, we need to talk about three myths about spiritual gifts. The first one The first myth about spiritual gifts is that they are the same as my talents and abilities. It's not the same thing. We have many talented school teachers in our church. Do we have any teachers here today? Can we say thank you to our teachers? My mom was a school teacher growing up. I I love teachers. My wife is a school teacher. We have a lot of talented school teachers in our church, but not all of them have the spiritual gift of teaching. They have this complex set of abilities that make them an incredible teacher, but that doesn't mean that their spiritual gift is the same thing. Some of them have the spiritual gift of administration. Some of them have the spiritual gift of mercy. So it's not exactly the same thing. A talent is something you're born with. Abilities are something that you develop over time, but a spiritual gift, here's what makes it different. It always points people to the giver of the gift. You might be a talented accountant with great abilities, and you can use that to serve the church. But the question of a spiritual gift is, does it connect people to God? So that's the first myth. The second myth about spiritual gifts is that they're going to make me act oddly. Let's be honest. There are certain streams of Christianity where the weirder you act, the more spiritual everyone assumes you are. That's just not true. Now, I want to be really fair and upfront with you because I find this as Bostonians, you've come here today, maybe you're not a Christian or you're investigating faith, so let's be honest and transparent. There are certainly some spiritual gifts that will seem very strange to our largely materialistic society. Materialist is actually the right way to say it, whereas all you see is what there is. There's no such thing as spiritual reality or an unseen realm. So there's gifts like faith or miracles that certainly would seem very strange to our society, but there's also gifts, spiritual gifts, like leadership, administration, mercy, wisdom, and teaching, and they don't always make you act oddly. Here's the the third myth about spiritual gifts is that, here's the myth, is that they demonstrate my spiritual maturity. People always confuse spiritual gifts and spiritual maturity. 
Spiritual maturity is something you have to develop over time. And the question is not, are you amazing at using your gifts? Here's the question of spiritual maturity is, do I love well? Do I love God well? Do I love the people in my life well? And so you can know, you could have the whole Bible memorized, but if you don't love your spouse well, you're not spiritually mature. You could be... You could be the fastest person able to look up a reference in the Bible. We used to call that a sword drill in Awanas. Anyway, that whole sentence was gibberish if you're new to church. But the point is, you can know know the whole thing backwards and forwards. But if you don't love your roommates well, you're not spiritually mature. And here's the thing. When your spiritual gift outpaces your spiritual maturity, you're set up for a fall. Now, we've seen this. All of us have encountered this when a pastor fails morally. You've seen this, a lot of you who have experienced this firsthand in a church, and there's a lot of hurt there. Or you've seen it, and you've read the articles online, and you've seen the pastor that failed morally. And a lot of times, when, when a Christian goes through that, you think to yourself, um, did everything that person taught matter? Was I a fool for listening to them? But here's the deal. That person was exercising a spiritual gift, and God was using that, even while that person's character was suffering behind the scenes. And so your spiritual maturity and your spiritual gifts are not the same thing. They both have to be developed. All right, so those are three myths about spiritual gifts. Now I want to look at how to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in your life so that God can make, so that you can make your maximum unique contribution to the people around you. And we're going to do that by looking at 1 Corinthians 12. These verses are all printed in your teaching notes for today. And this, we're looking at seven sentences written to the church of Corinth. And the church in Corinth was chaotic at the time. They were a young church. They were a growing church. They were an urban church. And with that growth came divisions and and a lack of unity in their church. And true to form for human beings, the church in Corinth would divide over anything. You know, there have been true examples of churches that split over deciding the new color of the carpet in the sanctuary. Chairs or pews, churches have split over that. Contemporary music or hymns, churches have split over that. Um... Shirt tucked or untucked when the pastor preaches, churches have divided over that. And the Corinthian church was no exception. They were dividing over like which personality of leadership that they followed. They were also divided over spiritual gifts. It was causing factions to form. People were prideful about the gifts they had received. In other words, well, one of the things we see in this Corinthian church is that unity must be fought for in a growing church. So the letter of 1 Corinthians was written so that Paul, who helped start, he didn't help, he started this church, he wanted to set them straight. And from just nine sentences, we learn a lot about how to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in your life today. Now, in these uh, these nine sentences, we have seven ideas, and so we're just going to go through them very quickly. Here they are. To unlock the power of spiritual gifts in my life, I must, one, decide to learn about spiritual gifts. Now, that might sound overly simplistic to you. When I, when I was thinking about it, I thought, well, is that too simple to make a point in church? But I think this is actually where the Apostle Paul starts because he was writing to one of the most well-educated societies and churches in the ancient world. And here's what he says. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Think about that word uninformed. The first thing for many of us to acknowledge is we just don't know that much about spiritual gifts, and we need to learn if we want to grow. Now, one of the great things about Boston, I'm sure you've noticed this, is that this is a town where people love to learn. This is a town where people can research anything, but 
you might, we often have people in our church who are um, one of the smartest people in the entire world on their particular subject and go to elite universities. But just because you have knowledge in one area doesn't mean you're an expert in another. And in the spiritual realm, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And that's a problem because, excuse me, that's a problem because God has a gift for you and all of his gifts are good and perfect. And if I told you, hey, God has a gift for you, but you're going to have to receive it and you're going to have to open it, you know, wouldn't you want to open that gift? So the first thing you have to do is decide that I'm going to learn about it, but all sorts of things keep us from opening the gifts of God. We often fear what other people will think. That's a huge one. Fear of man, the Bible would call that. Sometimes there's a lack of faith. Like, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is real. I don't know if God's really going to do this. Sometimes there's good old-fashioned apathy. You know, another reason we don't learn and study and grow in this is because of, well, it's because of Netflix. I mean, have you guys seen Netflix these days? It's amazing. You know, and so there's just kind of some apathy there. We sink into our couch. But here's the thing. God has never given a bad gift. Every good and perfect gift is from God. So you got to take the initiative to learn. All right, number two. If I'm going to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in my life, I have to point people to Jesus with my gifts. The next verse in 1 Corinthians, the third verse, he says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And I think this is really fascinating to me because it means that there's something happening in the unseen realm, which is like not something I think about constantly, all day, every day, but there's some sort of spiritual thing going on behind people as they speak. And one of the most fascinating things about the Holy Spirit here is that when the Holy Spirit is working in someone's life, he's always pointing people to Jesus. You'll sometimes notice um, if you watch television and you see uh, like Christian pastors and teachers on television that when they use their spiritual gifts, they're making a big deal out of themselves. They're never saying it, but that's kind of the vibe that you get. But the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is that when he's working, the attention is not on the person. The attention is not even on the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit is working when people's attention are on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why the more people are thinking about Jesus and what he has done for us and the grace he's shown us and his forgiveness and his grace, the more people are thinking about that, the more you're seeing the Holy Spirit at work. So number two, my gifts have to point people to Jesus. Number three, to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in my life, I have to surround myself with the gifts I don't have. In the next verse, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. You notice the, the emphasis here is not on, it's on, the, it's on the unity of God, but it's on the variety of gifts. There's different kind of gifts. There's different gifts, there's different gifts, there's different gifts. In other words, nobody has all the gifts, and so you're going to need other people. Now, you're not supposed to be dependent on other people. You're not supposed to be independent of other people. The whole goal here that God has for us as a church is that we're interdependent on one another, that we need each other because here's the, here's the real truth, if we're being super honest about it, is that in myself, I don't have everything I need to finish strong. 
if I'm going to run this race of faith and stay strong to the very end and cross the finish line and stand before the Lord at the end of my life, and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, I need other people investing in me to help me finish strong, and so do you. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You know, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. God's personal presence is in you and with you. Now, think about that. God is in you. He could give you every single thing you need in yourself to finish strong, but he chose not to because he wants you to learn to live interdependently in community. Look at Romans 12. It says, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We have different gifts, so we've got to surround ourselves with other Christians so that not only we can serve, we can be served. And if you're not in community, you're missing out on some of the blessings God would bring into your life through other people. Um, We started our community groups. We started five new community groups anyway uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And so they're brand new, and a lot of them are still open because they have a few slots left. And if you're not not in community, I want to encourage you to, to take that leap Look at the open groups online and find one that works for you. You know, when you move from circles into rows, there's just a power that happens where God starts to work in your life, where other people can serve you and where you can serve other people. Um, On the connection card you received today, there's a box on the back that says, send me info about community groups. And if you check that box, we'll make sure you get the list of open groups. All right, to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in my life, number four, I have to know and use my spiritual gift. Our memory verse for today is 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And I would love for us to read this out loud together. It starts with now to each one. So you're looking at it up on the screen? Let's read this together. Ready and go. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Hey, you read the word manifestation this morning. Good job, everybody. Five bonus points for you in church. Here's the the part. We're going to look at this verse three times for the next three points and highlight different parts of it. It says, now to each one. That means that if you have turned from your sin to follow Jesus, you have at least one spiritual gift in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you. You've got one, so you've got to know what it is. That's the very first step. And we actually have a tool that we really like for that. We mentioned assessments when we first started. If you check the box on your connection card, it says take the spiritual gifts test online this week. We'll send you the link to that so you can take the spiritual gifts test. Now, uh, the spiritual gifts test is not what gives you a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit does that. But if you take this test, you talk to some people that you have in your life that know you, that walk with you. If you're in a community group, share it with some people in your community group and help them to either confirm or maybe redirect because sometimes those spiritual gifts tests show you the gifts that you wish you had. And so let some people speak some truth into your life, but at least start the process of knowing what your spiritual gift is. Um, We'll send that link to you. So that's one way. That's a helpful way for you to discover your gift, to know your gift. But there's another way to discover your gift that's even more powerful, and that is to get off the bench and get in the game serving. When I was a a little kid, um, I don't come from a long line of amazing athletes. I mean, I don't know if you could tell. I played baseball, soccer, and football, and I played the same position in all three sports. Left bench. (laughs) I think we all know from time to time what it feels like to be sitting on the sidelines when somebody else gets to play. Some of us more than others. (laughs) 
But why settle for that feeling at church? Why come to church and sit in a seat when you, could see, when you see other people in the game using their gifts? You see greeters, you see hosts, you see you know, people who are serving the kids, and they're making an impact and a difference in somebody else's life. You know, we know this, right? Like, if you're sitting in the stands watching a football game, you're not growing. But when you get on the field, man, that's when things start to change in your life. Part of my job as your pastor, this is, the, this is the best part of my job, is to increase your joy on the day you meet Jesus. You know, that day is going to be a day of either regret or reward in your life. And it's my goal to see you on that day so full of joy because you leveraged every gift, every ability, every skill to make an eternal impact in someone else's life. And when you cross the finish line of faith and you stand in Jesus' presence, you hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you hear the words, you've been faithful in little things. I will now put you over many things. Because that's a day when rewards and responsibilities are handed out. So I want you to know and use your spiritual gift. It would be a real shame to get to that day and cross the finish line of faith and to think, man, I had one chance and I could have made a bigger impact. I never even stopped to think, what is my spiritual gift? Holy Spirit, how do you want to use me? And I want you to avoid that regret and live for that joy. All right, number five, to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in my life, I have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Let's talk about manifestation. How often do you use that word? Here's, just, here's what it means. It means when something hidden is revealed. And so how many of you guys like those videos on the internet of when the soldiers come home and they surprise your, their families? Aren't those awesome? Those are so good, right? Here, here's the thing. Uh, those, in those homecoming videos, before that moment, they're hiding in the building somewhere. So they're there, but then suddenly they show up, they're manifested, and everyone knows that they are in the building. That's what manifest means. Something hidden suddenly comes to dramatic expression. Now think about this. The Holy Spirit is invisible, powerful, life-giving. So how do you see the Spirit? You see the Spirit when someone uses their spiritual gift. Author Sam Storms makes a connection between spiritual gifts and God's personal presence in you. Here's what he says. Spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit himself coming to relatively clear, even dramatic expression in the way we do ministry. I love this phrase. Gifts are God going public among his people. That's from the Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. And if you want to learn more, I would buy that off Amazon if I were you. So if the gifts are from the Holy Spirit, I have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now you do this through constant prayer. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing, which means not, it means that taking your prayer life from, you know, in the morning I say, God, please bless my day. And in the evening I say, God, thank you for today. To before I walk into a meeting, I check my calendar about what's coming up in the day and I say a short prayer about each thing I'm going through. When I'm stepping into a meeting with someone, I say, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do in this moment with this person? When you're sitting there in one of those, you're sitting in community groups and you, and you say, God, um, if you could say something to this group of people today, what would you say to this group of people? It's that listening posture. It's praying all the time. That's praying without ceasing. It's asking, God, what, God, um, what does God in me want to do through me 
in this moment, in this situation, with this person. That's following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you find that God will work, through inc- in, will work in incredible ways through you. All right, number six, to unlock the power of spiritual gifts in my life, I have to focus my gifts on building up the church. And when the Bible uses the word the church, they always mean the gathered body of Christians. That's what, that's what the word church means, basically, in, in the Greek New Testament. So this one is huge. The gifts are not for us. They are for the common good. We get gifts that help us help others. So that same verse again for the third time. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Not for me, for, for everyone else. So there's, there's two kinds of gifts, not spiritual gifts, just in general. For Valentine's Day, I gave my wife chocolate. And I nailed it. I waited until the day after Valentine's Day. I went to CVS and bought it 50% off. And I got her one of those hearts of chocolate and some... Uh, chapstick, because I'm a romantic. I'm a romantic. And that was a gift that was just for her. It was a kind of a throwaway gift. It was like, she consumes it, it's gone. But her birthday was different. She loves to cook for other people. It brings her a lot of joy. And so she wanted a very expensive blender. Not what I would have chosen. I would have said, hey, buy me a jet ski or something. But she want, this is how she, wa- she wants to bless other people. And so I got her this gift for her birthday, and she's going to use it to bless lots of other people. So there's gifts that you consume that are just for you, and then there's gifts that you give that you can bless other people with. A spiritual gift is not for you to consume. A spiritual gift is a gift that you can bless hundreds or thousands of other people with. When you come to Renewal Church each week, you know, a lot of times you just come in, and it seems like it happens kind of automatically, and you don't realize that there are uh, dozens of people using their spiritual gifts to make sure that you have an environment where you can come and worship and you can think about the reason that you came here today and you can focus on Jesus Christ and his message so that you don't have to think about anything else and you can focus on that. We have greeters who stand by the door. They serve on a rotation, but when they come here, they use their gift of hospitality so that when you come in the door first thing, you think, man, these people actually care. And they want you to know they care about you so that you could actually believe God cares about you. When you come here, there's the production team. And there are people on the production team that make this happen. They set up the screens, the lights, the speakers, everything you see. They set it up. They get here at 7 a.m. to do that. They serve on a rotation. And the reason they do that is they are using their spiritual gifts of leadership. And some of them have gifts for administration. Some of them have gifts for helping to make sure that you have no distractions when you worship. You can just think about Jesus. So you don't have to think about the lyrics or the sound, or the static, or whatever it is. We have people who serve with the kids' ministry every single week. And a lot of them have spiritual gifts of shepherding. You can, see, you can watch them literally shepherding like a shepherd with sheep. You can literally watch them with the children, kind of keep the children together. And, and they ha- and, or they have spiritual gifts for teaching, and they teach the kids the Bible stories. And I don't know if arts and crafts is a spiritual gift, but some of them have that too. And they, they take the kids, and, and, and you know, a lot of times it's, it's my kids are a big part of that. And these are people that are loving our kids. They are changing a child's eternity by investing and serving there on a rotation and using their spiritual gifts. And a lot of these, because our church doesn't have a ton of families, are people who don't have kids of their own and who said like, I don't know if I'm great with kids, but yeah, I could teach a Bible lesson and I, I am pretty good at arts and crafts. I mean, I make a mean crowd. And so they just kind of step into that role and they make a, they change a child's eternity in kids there. 
You see hosts, you see people on the worship team, you see setup. We have a setup crew that comes here uh, that use their physical strength and their gifts of administration to make this thing happen. And they build up the church. They are loving other people. They're loving you when they use their gifts. And I really believe this. God has a place for you to serve. God is not, God's dream for your life is not for you to sit on the sidelines and watch other people serve, but to get in the game somehow. And I, I also, I, I was thinking about this this week. You know, I, I, really, I really believe this. This is why I moved here seven years ago and left a very, I lived like in the, in the Bible Belt, in the suburbs, in the South. It was a very cushy life. It's not where I was from. But other than the like overly happy fake people that were my neighbors, like everything else was like very easy to live there. And the reason that we moved up here to the city with little kids is because what I believe is that what Boston needs more than anything else in the world is healthy churches. When Boston has healthy churches and people can express the purpose of their life, they can praise and worship God with their life, and they can find wholeness, and they can find what it means to be a whole and healed person in community, and then they can move out into the city of Boston so that Boston is renewed as Christians like salt and light move through the city. You know, when you, the, but Jesus said we're like salt and light, and you know when you put just one, one grain of salt on your tongue, you can taste it? That's what it's like when a Christian lives in a neighborhood in the city of Boston. Boston needs healthy churches. And to the degree that you get off the sidelines and into the game and find out what your spiritual gifts are by serving, and God uses you, you build up the local church, and it not only impacts your life because you grow and the lives of the Christians who are in this room because you're serving and loving them, but it's, it, is, it is how Boston is renewed long-term as God works his way into the neighborhoods. God has a role for you to play. So if you would, go ahead and take out the connection card because I want to show you something on the back here today. After the service today, we've got ministry match. And the ministry leaders are going to be in the back there because you can meet them, you can learn more about the role, you can sign up to get more information. And on the back of the card, you can sign up to, to request info. It says request info about serving on the greeting team, the worship team, renewal kids, the setup team, the production team, or administrative help. If you think, man, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, but I know I could help Nicole fold some bulletins. Like, we've got a spot for you to get in the game and learn how you can serve. And if you check that box, you're not signing up to serve. You're signing up to get info to serve. Because I want you to get in the game. And you know, the only way to figure out what your spiritual gift is is to serve. And it may not be the first place you jump in and serve. It may not be the right fit. But when you find that spot where you make your maximum unique contribution, when you're changing other people's eternities through your spiritual gift, there is no feeling like it in the world. So you've got to focus your gifts on building up the church. And here's the last thing. To unlock the power of spiritual gifts in my life, I have to be content with the gifts I have received. We've got to guard ourselves against jealousy or wishing we had someone else's gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 puts it this way, all these are the work of one in the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. God determines how the gifts are distributed so we can be content with what we have and with what we don't have. I cannot tell you how often I have been frustrated by my lack of spiritual gifting in administration and evangelism. 
I have no spiritual gift for administration. I left my home without my backpack this morning. I just walked down to the train station. I just don't, it's not me. And I've, you know, in, in the early days of our church, it was so frustrating, not just to me, to everyone. You, you know that feeling when something's like not well? And then God brought Adam Leonard's to our church. One of, our, one of the elders in our church, and he has one of the strongest gifts of administration I've ever seen. And he told me he does not want to stand up here and teach, but if you see a spreadsheet this guy makes, I mean, it is like, it, like you, you ever seen LeBron with a basketball? That, that is this guy with a spreadsheet. And, and so God builds up our whole church like that, and people feel like, ah, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know where we're going. Things are clearly communicated. I've also longed for the spiritual gift of evangelism, and I used to pray over and over again because the Bible says you can desire the greater gift, so you can ask God to give you a gift. And I would pray, God, please give me the, please give me the gift of evangelism. Please, please. And it just never seemed to happen. And I've actually kind of come to realize over the years, I don't think God has any intention of giving me the gift of evangelism. I believe God has the intention of giving one of you the gift of evangelism, or he already has. And it's just time for you to step up in the church and start sharing the gospel with someone else until you discover that God is going to use you in ways you never thought possible. We have to be content with the gifts we have received. A hard lesson for me to learn, but we all have to learn it. The one thing we cannot do is start dividing based on gifting. Now listen, if you have the gift of mercy, you cannot be mad that everyone else doesn't care as much as you do. You care more because you have the gift of mercy. Okay? If you have the gift of administration, you can't be mad that everyone else isn't as organized as you. If you have the gift of faith, you cannot become impatient with people who doubt. Every gift has a dark side, right? It has a shadow side. And so we have to live with each other in unity and in order to build each other up. Gifts are for building up, but gifts without grace will tear you down. So be content with the gifts you have received. Now, as we close our time today, I want to share a brief story with you. Um, my, my father worked for the federal government for 25 years. And when he had his retirement party, it was a really big affair. So my mom rented a hall and threw a huge party. It looked like a wedding reception. And she invited friends, and she invited employees, and she invited bosses and, and family members. And everybody came there together to celebrate my dad. And my, me, I was little, but me and my sister were there too. And after dinner, one by one, people would stand up, and they would say a few words about my dad. And they would talk about how my father had been honest. Or they would talk about how he had helped them personally in a way that nobody else knew about. Or they would talk about how he had been the one that had given them a shot. Or how he had encouraged them along the way. And as a kid, it made a profound impact on me. And although, you know, it, it, my dad didn't speak. It was just one by one, people in the crowd speaking. No one's focus and attention was on the people who were speaking. Instead, with each person who spoke, everyone's respect and honor for my father was growing. And I was just a little boy, but I have never forgotten that. And I want us to be the kind of church that whatever we do, whether we're greeting people, whether we're serving in kids, whether we're running the slides, setting up the sound, whether we're handing out coats at Mary Ellen McCormick Housing Development, whatever we do, in word or in deed, 
When we do it, people's honor and respect for our heavenly father grows. That we may be the ones doing the things, we may be the ones saying the words, but in their eyes, the kingdom of me is shrinking and the kingdom of God is growing. So today, here's my hope for you, that you will convert your good intentions into a new direction for your life. That you will walk away from the kingdom of me and start to live for the kingdom of God and you will sign up to serve somewhere and experience the joy of seeing the God in you work through you.